We're going to talk for a little while this afternoon about reservations. You know, I can remember when I was younger and I thought about a reservation for a restaurant or something. I thought, man, that's just nonsense. How am I supposed to know what I'm going to be doing in the next day or two? I can't do that. I got things to do. I got people to see. You know, as I've gotten older and I think about the reservations, I think, man, that's a great deal. I make a reservation, I walk right in, I get my table. It's a good thing, isn't it? So when you think about reservations in your life, we have a lot of reservations. What does it mean when you make a reservation? It means you partition something off, doesn't it? You make that only available. If somebody in a restaurant says, yeah, we've got your reservation right here, your name is reserved at that table. And no one else can take that. When you arrive, it's available for you because it's partitioned off and no one else can take it. No other event can usurp that. Now think about your heart. What reservations do we have in our heart? You know, we talk about God and we think about God and the fact that we're, He's supposed to be first in our lives. But when we do an evaluation of ourselves, what reservations do you see in your heart that's supposed to be there for God, but we have other reservations. That's what we want to talk about for a short time this afternoon. In Psalms 116 and verse 12, it says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all His blessings toward me? And we always want to remember all the different things that God's done for us. All the different things that He's given us. The very fact that we're here, the opportunities that we have, the people and relationships we have, are all because of God. And think about that. When we look at our hearts and think, I want God to be first in my heart. It's because He's done so many different things for us in advance of us putting Him into our lives and putting Him at that number one spot where He deserves to be. In Romans 12 and verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This passage calls it our reasonable service. For all of those things that He's done for us, that He's blessed us with, it's our reasonable service to live our lives in the way that He would have us to do. And you know what's odd about that is that's just a blessing to us. If we perform that reasonable service, it's a blessing to us. Everything that He's given us is a blessing to us in return. And that's what He wants to be. He wants to be first in our lives. And as we look at a few examples this afternoon, I think you'll see, when God approached His people on these different situations, He knew their hearts. And He knows your heart. And He knows what reservations we have. Let's begin in Genesis 22 and verse 2. And it says, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, from thou, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now what most of us recognize this story is the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham's waited a hundred years for this son. And now God has told him to go up on the mountain to offer him as a burnt offering. And we know that Abraham loved Isaac very much. And now he's being told that that son should be an offering to God. How hard would that be? You think we might have some reservations in our hearts, in our lives, if we were faced by something like that? 
In Genesis 22, uh, continuing in verse 10, it says, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. You know, we can focus on the fact that Abraham wasn't required to perform that, fo- that sacrifice. But I think it's really important to know that Abraham would have done this. It would have happened. And we need to understand that and see the type of faith that Abraham had. You know, God's never asked anything like that from us. And, and thank God for that. He's never asked anything like that from us. And we see example after example in the Old Testament of things he asked directly of people that we will never have to endure, ever. It's just not ask of us. And we're thankful for that. So can we not just give him what he does ask from us? To put him first in our lives? To remove all those reservations that we have and give him the place that he wants? You know, we can put him where he wants to be. We can do that. And he was obviously first in Abraham's life. You know, he looked at Abraham. He knew Abraham's heart. He knew what Abraham was going to do in this situation. He knew that Abraham had faith in him. And he knew the role he played in Abraham's life. But I think Abraham is a good example for us to look at when we feel maybe living a Christian life is just too hard at times. At times it is hard. You know, we're faced with things, and if we're all real honest, there's something in our life that's a challenge to us. We have those challenges. Abraham was challenged in this instance, a challenge we know would be insurmountable in most of our lives, and he was able to do that. He was willing to do that. It simply wasn't required in the end. You know, we have several other examples of people who didn't, who did hold back from God who did have reservations in their lives, and they didn't follow through with what they wanted to do. If we look at the story of Cain and Abel, in Genesis 4, verses 3 through 7, it says, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So Cain had offered a sacrifice that wasn't what God had asked, wasn't it? He didn't do that out of faith. God hadn't asked that of him. He had a reservation in his heart to say, this is good enough. This is what I have available. He didn't do that out of faith, did he? And that's not what God wanted from him. You know, so his own actions were what caused the problem, yet he was somehow upset with his brother. That's always something that's perplexed me. I'm in trouble with God, now I'm mad at you. (laughs) We've seen situations where that can happen. And as I thought about it, I thought, well, what present day situations do we see something like that? And what I came up with, if you go back to maybe elementary school, you remember in elementary school, 
Most of us were in a class where they had a teacher's pet, didn't, didn't we? What was wrong with that teacher's pet? If I remember the ones that I do, I remember the teacher's pet always doing their homework, always doing what they were asked to do, always willing to help out, always doing the very things that maybe I skipped out on. And you know, when something happened in that class, somebody was always mad at the teacher's pet. Why? Why were we mad at the teacher's pet for doing the right thing? I think that's the same thing that happened here with Cain and Abel. Cain looked at Abel, and he saw the things that he'd done, and he saw that they were right, and he knew he'd messed up. That's what I think of when I read about this. You know, God obviously wasn't happy with Cain's sacrifice, but we see by the conversation along the same time, um, we don't see anything definitive that says Cain couldn't have fixed that in his life at that point. Just the opposite. We see that in, there in that conversation. He says, why aren't thou wroth? Why are you upset? God should have been the one upset. But he's asking Cain, why are you upset? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Do it right. Do it right. That's what he's saying. You know, I don't, we don't know how all that conversation ended. We know it spiraled into something much, much bigger that it didn't have to turn into. We have two passages in the New Testament that reference this event. In Genesis 4 and 8 it says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And then it also talks about it in 1 John 3 and verse 12. It says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. You know, by faith, Abel offered that more excellent sacrifice, didn't he? A more excellent sacrifice, it says. The things that Cain did were in his control. He was the one that chose to do those things. Obviously, there were some reservations in his heart toward his brother, toward his service to God, that caused him to do these things. And you know, reservations that we have in our heart tend to spread, don't they? I think many of us remember somebody that used to sit in the pew next to us. Used to sit down the row from us, maybe. You know, they didn't just suddenly decide one day that they're going to go back to the world. Not most of them. Most of them, it was a slow process over time. And those reservations that they had, or whatever that event was in their life, led to one thing and another and another until we didn't see them anymore. And that's sad. That's not what we want to see. And when we think of our own lives, do we think that might could happen to us? I think very well it could happen in mine. If I allowed things to get out of hand, if I allowed myself to give in and do what's easy, maybe that could happen to me. And I think that's a good self-evaluation that we need to take in our lives to understand where our weaknesses are and not let ourselves to stumble in those areas. You know, sometimes withholding from God doesn't end with what God has asked. We withhold a little, and that little becomes a little more, and a little more. 
And we can find ourselves in a similar, similar downward spiral until we deny God entirely. You know, how many lives have we seen that way? I've seen a lot in just my 45 years of people that just started down the wrong road and continued to spiral and never turned that around. Whether you're talking about being in the church, whether you're talking about being in the world in a per, on a personal level, people do certain things, they lose their jobs, they lose their families, they end up with nothing because of choices that they made. And those things can happen to us, certainly, if we're not careful. These things happen, and often it starts out very subtle. And another example, Ananias and Sapphira. We remember this story. In Acts 5, it says, But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And here the situation comes down to what, what they did. but It doesn't come down to what they did, but what they said they did. You know, sometimes... We do that, that same thing. We profit from people's assumptions, don't we? People assume we did certain things and we just let that go. Apparently giving only part of the proceeds was not the problem. He said they had the power to do that. The problem was they stated they'd given all of their proceeds to the apostles. And they said, you're not lying to us. You're lying to God. And so that was the problem. In their heart, they had that reservation that, yeah, we want to participate in this, but we don't want to do it all. And we're going to let them assume that we're, we're giving all. That was the problem. You know, we can be this way at times, and we let assumptions work in our favor. If you ever had a, a small child, and you'll ask them, did you clean your room? Oh, yeah, I cleaned my room. It, my room's clean. Well, did you make the bed? Did you pick up the clothes? Did you put all the trash in the trash? Did you bring your laundry into the laundry room? Well, maybe not that clean, but I cleaned my room. We can be the same way. God, you're first in my life. But, it, but is he? Do you attend worship? Do you avoid the things we, I've warned you about? Do you do the things I've told you to? Do you treat others right? And on and on and on down the list. God won't make that assumption. He knows our hearts. He knows the reservations that we have in our hearts. And so we need to understand that and know that God doesn't make those assumptions like we do many times. And he looks at our hearts and knows exactly where he fits in our lives. I believe Jesus did that very thing as he talked to the rich young ruler. In Mark 10, 17 through 22, And when he was gone forth from the way, and came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. 
Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You know, when we look at this story, we see somebody that was almost there. They almost made it. But what happened? He had reservations in his heart, didn't he? He had a great big one. Have we ever been asked to sell everything we have? No. Why do you think God said, or Jesus said this to him? Because he knew his heart. He knew exactly where those position, possessions fit in his life. He know the, knew the problem that that would be for him. Jesus knew his heart. You know, as a matter of fact, he immediately transitions to the passage we're so familiar with uh, following here about a camel passing through the eye of a needle. And he talks about how difficult that is. And certainly we've all learned from that. And we think of possessions and, and riches and wealth. You know, you can think of the richest man in the world. And maybe he can be a Christian. Maybe he can be right with God. I believe he can. What this is saying is it's very difficult. Because those things pull you in different directions. And I also believe the poorest man in the world could have a problem with the possessions in his life if he gives them the wrong priority. So it goes back to the heart and what reservations we have in our hearts toward our possessions. God knows how we prioritize our lives, doesn't he? He knows that priority. He knows when we're holding back in one area or another. But the most serious is when we hold back and we have those reservations when it comes to baptism. When you think about the things that you've got in your life, the things that you've done, the sins that we've committed, those things we've left undone, those schisms we have in our relationship with others, God's looking at your heart when it comes to those things. He looks at our heart. And so what do we have to do in order to please God if that's the case? You need Jesus. You need His blood to cover your heart. So that when He looks at you and He looks at your life, He doesn't see all those things. He sees perfection. Perfection through Jesus. That's what He needs to see. We all know we can't be perfect, but Jesus can. And He's done what's necessary to make that sacrifice for each one of us. And if we've got reservations in our lives for that, we've got to put those aside. We've got to let Jesus do what he's here to do. What he came to the earth to do to save the world through his shed blood. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.